Hello, this is the Monday Begins on Saturday podcast episode 3. With me today, as usual, is Olga. My name is Fabrizio. Hi, I'm grumpy today. Let's get on it. So, so Fabrizio, what is going to be about today? <laughs> today, dear Olga, we are going to talk about creative techniques. What does it even mean? I guess, broadly speaking, creative techniques are ways to, or well, techniques to make you more creative. And I guess it makes most sense to start talking about this by first actually elaborating a bit further on what creativity actually is. Well, not really. Uh, I didn't want to elaborate on what creativity is. I just wanted to say that when we think of creativity, we always say think it's about something new, about originality. Uh, but actually, creativity, if you look like at the discoveries of, uh, of the modern world, uh, the, the, like the, the best discoveries, they, are, they were all, or most of them, were about remixing. Uh, they were all about making the links between the unconnected things and creating, uh, like remixing them and creating something new. Uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, it's wrong to say that you have to invent something new to be creative. You, you invent something new based on the existing things, I guess. I guess it's a better definition. You make new connections, right? Yeah, you make new connections, like the brain. So, as Olga said, it's, it's, it's not so much about uh, coming up with entirely new stuff. Nothing is really new if you look into the history of things. Um, it's mostly about finding new patterns, new connections, uh, hidden patterns. Um, it's also about letting go, sometimes like letting go of control, allowing some serendipity in your work, some chance to happen. I think like most of the like the things that you read about Einstein or um, Edison, it's sometimes just or I don't know, biological <laughs> uh, discoveries. It's often about something, uh, a chance happen and you just grab on the opportunity. And uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's about uh, allowing yourself for discovering new things and not being too uh, how to say, uh, you know, be, be, being too much a slave of the process or of, you know, whatever you're working on, but yeah, allowing chance to happen. Yeah, also um, creativity, like being creative uh, doesn't mean you have to have all the information about the subject you're researching or you're working on. For instance, uh, sometimes the more you know about some problem, the less creative you become. For instance, an example, when I studied at design school, it was like one of the first projects. And in our school, I have to say, we studied together with Fab here. And in our school, we had to pick different projects at the beginning of the semester, and they, they could be anything. So one of them was working with ADS and Airbus on uh, like new concepts for airline industries. And uh, there was a guy who was a cabinet maker, so he knew how to make furniture. And when we were developing some furniture projects, he he was so much into this, okay, no, this hinge doesn't work or the, that thing that won't work, that he couldn't come up with interesting creative ideas. And he suffered a lot because he had too much knowledge about furniture making, that it kind of hindered him on letting his imagination flow and um, trying to create something interesting. I think for the same reason also in, um, you know, in, in digital product companies where you work on more complex products, which are comprised of multiple teams focusing on different areas of the product. 
you also sometimes have that right where you would want to um, rotate teams in a way to work on different things after a certain time for I guess a similar reason so obviously you then have the problem of um, how to make sure to transfer that domain knowledge that other people generated in that area but at the same time you also also want to allow fresh thoughts and things to happen uh yeah and also create like when we talk about creativity we just don't mean creative industries you know what we call creative industries i know design not only design not only art not design. only whatever <laughs> whatever uh not only illustration you'd like a, you know a cleaning lady can be creative and also another, another interesting thing that laziness or are like being lazy can be a huge drive for creativity um i don't know maybe i'm wrong here correct me if i'm wrong but i thought like the the first ape that took a stone and and started using it was just lazy Uh, and wanted to come up with, uh, you know, come to the to the finished result quicker, and that's why it found a way to to do it without applying more effort. I don't know. That, yeah, that's makes total sense. I mean, all of our our entire not not necessarily evolution, but our entire history is yeah. a history of getting lazier and making life easier, right? Exactly. Uh, and I think the whole, like when they say, oh, I'm not creative or something like that, I say bullshit because everybody is creative. The humankind, the way we are the, now is because we are all creative, because we found new ways, we connected the dots of bringing humanity forward. Um, not always forward, but, you know, in most ways. So, um, and also creativity never happens in a void. It's always, there is a, um, like a field of creativity um, uh, that, that, you, that the field you can be creative in, I don't know, chemistry, physics, um, music, uh, whatever, literature. In the domain, right? Well, yeah, the, the, there is an author, I can't pronounce his name by no, man, the, no means, he says, like, he calls it the domain, but I think it's, it's really a really techy, nerdy way to call it. I would just call it a field, and uh, then, then, there is a, then there are the gatekeepers of this field, like teachers, cultural agencies, I don't know, governmental agencies, whoever, um, educators, I think I already said that. And uh, then there is an individual person. And an individual person, what it does, it uses the methods of this field to, to create something. And then the gatekeepers, the teachers and, and uh, the agencies, they kind of uh, evaluate if it's innovative, if it's good or not. I don't know if it can be exhibited or not in, in terms of like art, for instance. And uh, yeah. Uh, to be creative, you need to be able to connect the dots between different domains. Um, it's often that creativity doesn't just happen within your field. You have to have some kind of uh, not domain or field. Uh, you don't. You don't like. You, you are not creative if you're just into this problem. You know, into this area. You mm. need to look around, and uh, these domains or these fields have to be open, have to be accessible. And it, what that's what often happens, like as a child in the school, for instance, you think like, why do I need biology? Like I don't give a damn about biology. Why should I learn it? or mathematics or uh, what not? And I think it's wrong because we at school are not told that connecting those things, that understanding all of those fields can bring us to new ideas, to new business ideas, to new, uh, yeah, to, to, to new areas of study and so on and so forth. 
and it makes us more creative the like having at least the vague idea of what the field is about is very important so i think the the system of like the education what education needs to do it needs to educate creative people or it needs to educate have like a subject of creativity at school and also it needs to convey to these pupils uh, that all the fields are equally important for you, no matter what you're going to do. I guess it also kind of depends on, on the kind of school you went to. Um, I mean, I personally also didn't have the greatest experience in school in terms of teachers um, teachers showing me the value of, of knowing the fundamentals of chemistry or biology or whatever, right? So. Uh, I mean, I went to a classical... I definitely didn't see the relevance of those. Yeah, yeah I, I went kind of to a classical um, Russian school, but with a, with a twist, our school was into uh, humanitarian sciences. So everything that was not humanitarian was completely neglected. And I really feel sorry for myself that, that you know, it wasn't there. I, I couldn't be able to look into that. And also, so we don't need that. We are looking into literature, like deeper studies, or we had two languages, which is like very rare for for a Russian school that you have two languages uh, and stuff like that. But we didn't look into other areas and um, it, it saddens me. I think I would have been a much interesting, more interesting professional if I had that. Well, I mean, luckily nowadays, I think uh, it's it's not that critically anymore to have a lot of like, uh, you know, hard, hard knowledge about topics or just, you know, memorizing things thanks to the Internet, which I think also leads to another interesting connected um, thing to that or topic, which is the openness of the domains. So, uh, yes. Since you can nowadays pretty much Google anything or, you know, get a book Yeah, but you need to, you know, you need to be kind of, okay, why do I Google this? Why why am I interested in sure. this? So, so what the teacher is, the teacher's role is now, of course, not to know everything, but to kind of point you in the right direction and say, okay, check it out. So, yeah, it's easier in a way, but you still need that kind of push to you either from coming from yourself, from, you know, from your environment, from your area, from your friends, or yeah from a teacher because it's like the, the easiest thing yeah that's very true i think those are and i think this is also a nice transition to to the next step so um before we actually start talking about creative techniques we which really are kind of started well <laughs> we didn't necessarily really start talking about the techniques i think so far this is mostly meta talk right like what is creativity and how does creativity work in a broader sense um so before we dive into the more practicable things, I guess, that you could take from this podcast. Um, we could also briefly uh, chat about why you should actually believe us or listen to us, right? Because we are just two random people talking no, about creativity. No, we're not random. <laughs> oh, aren't we? So who are we, Olga? <laughs> no, I mean, we already introduced ourselves in the first uh, episode of the podcast. So, um, yeah, we studied design and on a regular basis, you for four years, I for five years were uh, using the creative techniques to solve problems because um, generally what do you need those techniques yeah for problem solving in a new interesting way or in an unconventional way let's say so and we did that for a while we had a lot of interesting projects we had a lot of uh, internships you work as a designer right now uh, and you do it on a regular basis as well yeah so um, for me it's it's quite often it's part of project kickoffs that before you start a project you actually get people together you start to you know do whiteboarding sessions brainstorming sessions um, so so we do quite a little bit, quite a bit of that and then also everything that 
you know comes left and right next to the design process if you follow along by the book which you obviously don't always do but generally yeah so we we, we do try to do a bit of that at work as well and um, but, but i think actually the, the best fundament for all of this was our our studies um it might also be worth noting that um the way we studied was project based so you would not have like uh, very strict subjects and you know just learn stuff within those subjects but you would rather actually um have projects and most projects would be interdisciplinary by, by by default right so and you always have a new kind of problem that does relate mostly to one field however you still need to come up with new ways to come up with interesting ideas right so yeah so and uh, i mean for instance there was also i didn't participate in this one but there was pro there was a project with ido in our school like just to give you an example and uh, you know ido is a company that uses Uh, T-shaped people, the people that can be created, like have the idea of various industries. They also popularized the and term also, design thinking. Yeah, right? and also they use not only designers, but also uh, professionals from different fields in one team in order to create new projects. Uh, why I got into this topic recently, because I do mostly illustration, I really have a hard time these days uh, to with with really open topics. So I was trying to participate in this competition. I actually participated and didn't win. But anyway, and I really had a hard time. The, the topic was chaos. And I was really like, what do I come up with? Like, where do I start? It's like a blank sheet of paper. I have no idea what, what to do. And then a colleague of mine, she just said, Olga, like, are you nuts? I'm just going to throw random words at you. And 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 then that's it. And she just like I don't know. She said carpet dog boot and whatever. And then the creativity suddenly started to flow because I was like, okay, cows and a carpet, uh, you know, cows and a dog. And I started like connecting the unconnected random words she just like invented randomly and threw at me. And I was like, okay, I need to get back to those creative techniques because that's the thing. That's uh, I forgot it. <laughs> you know, kind of I'm not using it that that much. And uh, it's really helpful. Let's talk about techniques that will boost your creativity. Um, as we already said earlier, um, it is a fact that everybody is, is creative. You're born creative. It's very much part of human nature to create stuff. And I think this is even more apparent or especially apparent if you look at children, like children are creative as a default, I guess you could say. They play a lot with their imagination. They don't really care as much about what reality actually is like, but rather are um, much more into coming, uh, coming up with their own interpretations and also making up stories, making up stuff. The only thing is that once we start growing up, we, um, we lose that uh, that ability or skill because no, we, we start no, telling no, no, ourselves we don't lose the skill well we start telling ourselves we that start telling ourselves that like especially that, that you can see that when people are drawing you know like when the kids drawing are drawing they have no fear okay my horse doesn't look like a horse or my i don't know whatever i'm drawing doesn't look or the human doesn't look like a human they draw it and they're confident in it that, that that's the way the human is And then they start telling themselves a story, maybe at least like at around 10 or 9, they start, start telling themselves, or maybe 7 even, some earlier, okay, I can't draw, that means I'm not creative. And then they start telling this story, okay, I'd rather do some other stuff. 
And um, yeah, well, first of all, being able to draw doesn't doesn't really connect with being creative. And also, as we are on all innately creative, we are also like my my. I'm convinced that everybody can draw well. Uh, it's just you have to be taught the right way. Like the way you are taught to read, you have to be taught to draw, and everybody can draw. That that's kind of my my idea. Yeah. So yeah, yeah draw, drawing is really just a just it's, it's just a craft skill, right? Yes, anybody a, can learn that. It's a skill, that. and you can learn it as as you can learn to read. You can learn to draw. So. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we don't tell you, you like the, the problem is that we start telling ourselves a story and then we kind of uh, convince ourselves it's, uh, yeah, and, and yeah. then... Yeah, I, I guess what people do think, and this is where I, I was, I didn't express myself correctly, I guess, <laughs> is that uh, you don't really lose the ability, but you just stop flexing your muscles because uh, of whatever kind of reasons. And this then leads you to believe that you're not creative, while in reality you just stop exercising creativity, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I love the flexing the muscle uh, metaphor. Let's stick to it. Okay, so let's talk about a few. Uh, so we, we now have a list of things here that we will just go through. Um, so the first one is uh, the creative self. And the idea here is that uh, so in order to better understand what your creative angle might be, you first need to understand yourself. So being very aware of who you actually are, what kind of traits make you up as a person, what's, what makes you as an individual different from anybody else and try to incorporate that into your creative view on things. Yeah, um, I mean, we uh, like uh, probably made some advertisement for another podcast. Uh, you've probably heard the podcast Creative Pep Talk, uh, where Andy Pizza. Talks or maybe not. <laughs> or maybe not. I mean, uh, if you if you haven't uh, check it out, <laughs> we don't know him personally, but um, I think it's a nice one. And uh, he talks about like before, like he also has a course on Skillshare, I guess. Uh, and he also talks about like when you. It's, it's about more side quests and uh, creative projects. And before you start anything, he talks about defining yourself within the creative world. Like, who you, who are you? What is your tribe? Um, who are you doing it for? What are you interested in? And I think that's uh, the basic thing you have to do for yourself to understand what, what you like. And like, because I had that problem, I started, I don't know, doing calligraphy and doing that and doing this instead of just sitting down and asking myself, what is it that really interests me? What is it that I've been interested in since childhood? What stories move me? What kind of uh, things move me? Also, another illustrator I listened to, I think, an interview. She also did that, like, okay, what is it that I like to draw, for instance? Like, is it, uh, like, what is it that I like? What books do I read? And from there, or you can look at, like, what artists do I like? Or in, in case you're a designer, what kind of designs move me and, and why? And, uh, uh, and then you can understand yourself better. Through yeah, this. that's interesting. I actually recently started to create... Um, 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 a page I call the the North Star page, where I basically just collect people, I which I think create cool stuff, and then also I try to see okay, what what is it that I actually like about the things, or, or what are the the common denominators, I guess, between all those things that I like, and I extract something from there and apply to for myself. Yeah, that's uh, also copying uh, copying your hero, so to say, is is a good idea. 
um, not like posting that afterwards and <laughs> and then not admitting that you're doing that, but doing it like deliberately. For instance, uh, uh, a Russian illustrator and teacher, Viktor Milamed, has an exercise where he teaches uh, like his students to create a manifest for an art group. So you pick up, pick your favorite artists. They can be from different times, they can be modern, they can be from last century. And then you look at them and imagine that they are a creative group and you write a manifest for them. And that's how you understand what makes up this group, what are the traits. And and then, and then the next uh, step is to create um, a new art, like some more artists for this group. Like you start drawing and describing, okay, how does this artist fit into this group? And that's, that's really, really uh, like uh, a lot of work, <laughs> but it's, it sounds like fun. I want to try that out. So, so I guess the bottom line really is that um, in case you just know, you don't know what to create first, or also if you would like to be a bit more strategic about the kind of things you create, First, putting a bit of thinking behind who you actually are doesn't make a lot of sense because this um, will then basically help you create things and also stay on a, on a certain track, I guess, right? Because it also to a certain extent defines your strategy as a creator in a way. Yeah, and also what you like is uh, uh, is a part of who you are. So you can, if you don't know who you are, like it's easy to say, who am I? And, you know, sit there. But you just, okay, what do I like? What moves me? And you look into that uh, in, in art, in real life. Uh, I don't know, look at your day. How do you like to spend your day? What makes, what, what is like what is that you do that that uh, makes more f- much fun and like you know fun to do and and then try to figure out bit by bit who you are mm-hmm. cool um let's talk about the next thing um so whenever you start a project you should have a simple way to retrieve materials that are connected or relevant to that project and um, it's essentially about having a place where you can put anything related to that project in and uh, it might be now it really depends on who you are what you work on but it might be as simple as just a you know an analog bo- analog box where you collect all sorts of scraps and things that you find inspiring and if put them hoarder, in yes. yeah, if you're a hoarder <laughs> or uh, i guess what is more appropriate now going with time and probably for most people is um, that you have some sort of digital place for that. Um, For me, for example, that would be a combination of Notion and Pinterest. So I think Pinterest is really good just to find images and keep them in a sort of collection. But then for me, um, I also want to have a place where I can document things and, you know, where I can be a bit more structured about the kind of um, information that I need for that project. Might also be text information and not just images that I'm collecting. And so this is where for me Notion comes in. And I'm still trying to connect those two things a bit better together. But bottom line, have one place you can go to. And um, yeah, that basically help. This will also help you in, in case you're getting stuck, right? So at any point when you're creating something that you have something you can go back to and look at basically to um, get, I guess, some, a new view on things potentially as well. Yeah, I mean, I also like, for instance, to go like foraging in the forest and collect some plants if I'm drawing some kind of plant related thing. Or if you are, I don't know, uh, recently I had a project where I had to draw like lemons and stuff. And a uh, nice thing that you brought some lemons from like with leaves and I could like look, okay, how do lemon leaves look like? And and I kind of had it in front of me until it 
got rotten, but okay, <laughs> uh, you know, to, to, to get inspired because it was connected to the project I was doing. So uh, sometimes even um, because you see the, seeing the things in real life, not just photos, helps you, especially if you are doing art or illustration or any kind of... Um, physical object to see the volume in real life because our eye and what the camera sees are completely different the camera simplifies a lot and flattens a lot of things and what your eye sees when you see an object is much more and you can kind of extract much more from that i think uh, like for instance like in this lemon like I, I know an artist who does like a little textures and looks like really really zooms in and it's interesting and you wouldn't see that if you would just look at the photo of a lemon because you wouldn't see that texture from a photo you know mm -hmm. okay let's continue <laughs> sorry it's just such an interesting topic i got a little cool. lost in there and what i actually also like about that if you have a space where you can collect any everything and if it's if you if you have your your, your shit together in an order <laughs> is that you know later when you do other projects that might touch upon topics that you already dealt with in previous projects you can actually you know ex you still have this information in one way or another and you can reuse it and this is actually something that i that happened to me already through pinterest where you know i had a few boards that were created for specific projects that i could then later on reuse or what's also actually nice is if you're just able to basically walk through the process from a past project you know just as also, if you, for example, want to create a portfolio or whatever, right, to have something where you start everything and then can easily retrieve it is, is just great for that purpose as well. Yeah, uh, on that topic, I think it's also very useful to keep a sketchbook. Uh, to draw things that interest you. It's also discovering your creative self, who you are. So the previous topic we were talking about is good. And also for the project. I mean, you can just draw things from real life or record stuff. Sometimes even you don't like the sketch, but you, for instance, you like the color combination and you might use it in this project or in the next one or whatever, whatever strikes your eye and you wrote it down and you just go back to it. Uh, it's also a good thing not to just uh, draw things. Um, if you can't draw, write it down. Um, um, I don't know, just use color swatches or whatever whatever like feels good and nice and natural to you or keep a journal. I think it's always useful to, to do. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, this topic also sort of leads us into the next one, which is all about balancing planning and, you know, being very structured about your approach uh, when, you, when you work on creative projects on one side, but then also um, having openness as the other extreme on the other side. And I, I think this is at least something that I realize, realized relatively late, but which is very true. I think working creatively always happens in a continuum between chaos and order. And I think it's very important to realize that and also um, embrace it actually, that sometimes you might hit spots where it's important to actually embrace the chaos and don't, you know, basically don't care at all about order about structure but then there are also at the on the other hand times where you do need order where you do need structure to to get shit done essentially right mm -hmm. and to stay on track so i think this is this is very important to realize um, and there are also a few interesting examples from the past you know which i think are more about how random things could lead to great inventions yeah you know like my favorite world word like is is serendipity like some people have a favorite color some people have a favorite something i have a favorite word it's called serendipity it's something that you were not looking for but yet you discovered and uh, into that uh, notion falls the discovery of penicillin by alexander fleming who just uh, had that there were um, like 
dirty uh, glass, how, how do you call that? Petri dishes? Petri dishes uh, that were like dirty and there was mold growing on them. And that uh, led to the discovery of penicillin and it was not planned. So, you know, something you don't plan, but you maybe in the back of your head think about, and then it leads you to a discovery of something new. And that, that, uh, that living uh, some, some space for a chance to happen is uh, something magical uh, that is a part of creativity. Yeah. And there, there, I think if you just look, we would look into many inventions from the past and from nowadays, or well, the past, <laughs> Um, you, you'll probably find a bunch of examples. There's also um, you know, Charles Goodyear, so the inventor of, of vulcanized rubber. Um, and, and I think the, the, the company Goodyear still exists, which is basically a producer for, for tires. And um, so when he, after years of experimenting, basically, he stumbled upon the receipt for uh, vulcanized rubber. <laughs> Sorry, recipe <laughs> Germans. <laughs> Um, recipe um, for vulcanized rubber by accidentally spilling a mixture of, of gum and sulfur into a stove. So basically by doing something super random, he, 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 he made a huge invention. This all just goes back to the point of staying open, uh, embracing creativity when it hits you, and sometimes really just you know trying to really... Uh, yeah, but you also have to be prepared in a way. Like you prepared everything, you got all the ingredients on your table, and then you let the accidents happen. As Maybe well. also, yeah. Because I mean, if he didn't have that that oven, if he didn't have that thing, if he didn't have the years and years of research, spilling something into the stove or onto the stove wouldn't lead to the discovery of of, uh, of the vulcanized rubber. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is also, I think, an interesting one when it comes to you know, if if you are a freelancer and you work for a client and billing hours and you know if if you basically sometimes when you work on a project exactly this might happen as well right where you work for hours and hours and hours on a concept and maybe you even passed you and passed what you initially estimated and then you know random turn of events and you manage to pull off a great concept in a tenth of the time you needed for the first concept but and then think, oh my, all this work that I did previously was for nothing, which is not true, right? No, it's, it's not. It's, it's a process. And um, sometimes scrapping old stuff, previous stuff, explorations is necessary to get to whatever conclusion you come to. Yeah, that means that creative process is non-linear. It's yeah. never or almost never linear. And you have to uh, be able to... Uh, go around the corner or I don't know go back to where you started again uh, because that's part of it mm -hmm. okay up to the next one um, which is actually not one point but more like a, a collection of exercises so uh, as we already said a bunch of times uh, creativity is like a muscle that you need to train and um, there are a few things that you can do in order to do so uh, one exercise, for example, would be that you can also nicely fit into your everyday life, you know, when you just uh, go about your mundane things, is uh, look at the things that surround you, like a stool, for example, that you might have everywhere or, you know, whatever else you can see, and try to come up with 
as many different ways as possible for her to use that thing. But not not like ten or something, because I think the first ten they say the first yeah. ten you do is that is will be is will be totally normal and boring and not very interesting, and the magic will happen after like the tenth or or the fifteenth uh, idea. Yeah, so because you, that, that that's where the things start getting weird, right? Because you run out of of normal ideas. Of normal ideas, yes, and then you have to flex that muscle exactly. Yeah. So the further you 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 go down that line, the more interesting your ideas will essentially become and uh, well then again also become inspiring and yeah it's 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 an exercise right so it's it's all about getting your your brain to that state where you know making associations many associations it's just a natural part of your thinking process yeah like going to the state of flow or something yeah. and the next one is um, maybe maybe also just one one more thing yeah, okay. right so um, it's also it's also a great exercise to to generally sharpen your your problem solving skills, right? Because many times when you occur a problem, it's about coming up with with or thinking about different kind of solutions, and then you know obviously you go for whatever works best for the problem. Um, but having the, applying this kind of thinking might even also um, avoid altogether to you know getting stuck in first place when you are already in a creative project in a certain way because you already thought about all those things previously before you actually get stuck yeah just as a little expansion um i have two more um and uh, one we didn't discuss yet but it just occurred to me um the, there's a really great exercise is called doing uh collages so you have like for instance you're a product designer or you have to talk, speak uh, think about the broader topic i don't know how people will travel in the future or something else and you just take old magazines or just random magazines and newspapers and you cut random images that catch your eye whatever is this and and then glue on onto something you can do it in photoshop as well you can just go to different pages of some kind of online magazines and do the same thing like screenshot them and then put them together and from that weird collection of images you try to create a uh, a solution for your problem and it also like because these images are not connected to what uh, you were thinking about something new will emerge eventually maybe it doesn't but it's a nice exercise to flex your muscle and the next one that is kind of similar to this one especially works well for illustrators that have to work on topics that are very broad for instance uh, it's called random words. Uh, so as, as uh, I did with my colleague, you can ask any person, a friend, a partner, a colleague to throw five to ten random words at you and uh, random words that come up, come to their mind at you. And then you try to collect, uh, connect those to your problem. I don't know, like this topic that I had chaos and then I had like she threw a word carpet at me and then, OK, chaos plus carpet, chaos on the carpet, some dogs, some something. And then there, like my imagination starts flowing because you just need some kind of um, points to pinpoint to it. And then the brain does the work and um, uh, you can also use an online random word generator for that if you like don't want to ask any, anybody and you're an introvert also helps or if you don't want to use digital tools you can use a, an, an a dictionary and just open random pages and pick up uh, words from there yeah i think it's it's quite useful mm -hmm. then there's also obviously uh, mind mapping which which is a classic pretty much which um so the way you go about mind mapping, in case you don't know it, is um, you just uh, come, you, you just put the term that uh, you need to brainstorm on or that you want to further think about, come up with 
alternative ideas. It can also be the topic of whatever you're working on. You put this in the center of, of a sheet of paper or your digital canvas, and then you um, basically start drawing connections with all sorts of things that come to your mind. And then from those things that, uh, that are connected, you draw further connections, right? So one might be, you might have a tree in the center, then one connection is root, then from root you have like, uh, I don't know, what connects Earth, to Ruth, uh, Earth uh, nutrition, right? And so on. So you go, you, you try to go deeper and deeper and deeper with your levels. And, and you um, branch it out, branch it out until your uh, sheet of paper or whatever you're working on is full. And then from that, you try to come up with concepts that interest you. Like most of illustrators use that, designers use that. So, so it's like a, quite a useful tool and a lot of people know it. Also marketing people use it. So it's, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, what else do we have in the tool bag, Olga? Yeah, we have uh, creative quests. Mm-hmm. Shall we? Shall we? Shall, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, sure. Um, so this one is is about you know not not getting stuck or too focused essentially on solving a problem, but instead. I think it's, it's like it's, it's really useful when you're stuck actually like yeah. you're stuck on the problem and you don't know what where to move and nothing helps so you have to then let it go so to say yeah. so you embark your creative quest you go out you talk to people you do field trips you visit a museum um, so this is all about filling your mind with ideas and stuff to eventually make new connections um, uh, which might be then obviously connections between whatever problem you're trying to solve and whatever you experience and at any given moment in time. And the point really is to, to make time for that, to be very conscious about not you know, staying on your problem 24-7, but actually allowing your mind to be uh, occupied with something else. Yeah, I mean, uh, like a lot of writers and composers, for instance, did that thing. I, I, can't, I can't come up with names right now, but like they would go out on a walk, on a mindful walk, walk, so to say. So they would notice different things that you like go to the park that you usually go to, and then you notice different new things, uh, the trees, the, I don't know, whatever you can notice, uh, the way the dogs are running, the way the people are moving, the patterns on, on, the, on, the, on the bark of a tree, and so on, and the mushroom. Uh, growth and so on and so forth and you just notice those things and make make mental notes or or even sketchbook notes uh, whatever is there for you or whatever works for you and then you come back home but you do that not thinking uh, about your problem and then you come back home and try to connect that to your problem or or maybe you were randomly connected in your mind yeah because uh, it's it's the problem still exists or the thing you're working on still exists somewhere in the back of your mind and maybe your brain makes a connection like uh, also, what we what we discussed earlier, right? Where um, you know, Goodyear and the invention of, of vulcanized rubber, where uh, doing doing something else all of a sudden leads to a big ex- big uh, big revelation in a way. Yeah, yeah, sure. Cool. Um, do you want to talk about the the next one? Uh, which one is the next one? <laughs> uh, I think we we would be at questioning the obvious. Uh... Yeah, well, that's that's um, kind of this. Well, it's not about the mindful walking. It's just in everyday life. It's like flexing your uh, creative muscle every day. It's, I think it, it might be a, an exercise as well that we uh, didn't mention. It's just 
whenever you see something uh, in yeah. mundane life, try to question it. Like, why is it happening? Why are people doing the things the way they are doing? Why are they eating uh, the things that they're eating? I don't know. Like, for instance, for me, uh, like for Germans, it was a t- totally normal thing to eat bread in the evening. And for me, uh, having a warm meal in the evening is a normal thing. So I was just like, okay, why is it that the Germans eat bread in the evening? Why is it this strange? And what is normal for them is not normal for me. So you question those things and maybe you come up with interesting ideas and generally flexing your muscles. Okay, what happens? Why are people the way they are? And uh, yeah, and uh, can we do it differently? It's also a nice thing. Like, okay, can, can we change something about that? if you don't like for instance the the things you notice or even if you like how can we improve it so that that is kind of flexing your creative muscle daily mm-hmm. cool um yeah so that's those were a few creative te- well techniques i guess you can uh, you can implement to to help yourself uh, to help your brain getting getting more creative and being better at, at drawing connections and coming up with ideas and concepts. And next up, um, well, an- another technique actually <laughs> is, uh, is about um, failing and repeating until you su- succeed. And uh, the idea here is that, uh, or, or actually the fact is that if you look at most creative geniuses, you know, um, big inventors, uh, Thomas Edison, Mozart, whoever, um, what most people just end up seeing is the end product, what made them successful. But what they don't see is all the work and all the failures that went into their creative endeavors before they actually succeeded. And there's so many examples of that. Um, I mean, another famous one, more contemp- contemporary one, is actually um, the company Rovio and the game Angry Birds, which you know became a huge global success. But it was their like 18th or 19th game. So they were pretty much at the end of their financial possibilities and they, they had to succeed pretty much. Um, yeah, so the point really is that people who, who, are, who, who become extremely, uh, extremely successful from a creative perspective, it's not necessarily that they're so gifted. Many of them probably are gifted in a way that, you know, they... Uh, they, they're pretty good at that kind of stuff, yes, but more importantly, they, they put in the hard work and they, they learn to reiterate after they fail. Yeah, reiterate, yeah, I think it's also sometimes like quantity over quality. You like sometimes you just get stuck with this nice idea and you'd work and work and nothing happens. And the thing is, you have to produce like 10, 20, 50 more ideas and one of them will be their one. So you have to learn to fail quickly and to fail quicker and to learn from the failure quicker and to produce more uh, in order uh, for this to be the thing, you know? Yeah, so it's also like like, like Edison said, failure is, is only a failure if you didn't learn anything from it. And I think this is really the kind of mindset you need to adopt, which is really important because only then you will start to see that, you know, failures are not actually bad. Failures are actually, I mean, they, they can be bad, obviously, depending on the scale and, and, and involvement and everything. But generally, failures are not a bad thing as, lo- as long as you can learn something from that from them. And also, as long as you fail early enough, I guess. This yeah, is- exactly. Because like, if you like, worked your whole life on the project and it fails, uh, you know, that, that will make you very sad. If you failed like 10,000 times and then you arrived at something nice, like you will uh, treat failure like something, okay, that was not it. Let's go on. Let's move on. Let's, uh, you know, let's continue. 
And that's also a big reason for you know trying to uh, to do to experiment with with things where you very likely might fail in you know privately because this will essentially also a give you a safe space where you can fail and learn and basically it won't have any consequences in the end on, on other people and things um yeah yeah i mean uh, privately you should have to show your work as well i mean that's that's very important because sometimes like i'm like too too, too much of a perfectionist but when you learn uh okay i'm gonna fail and that's okay uh because i'm gonna do i have another idea in my pocket or i have another thing that i wanted to try and that's fine like i i applied for this competition and i failed and they didn't take me that's all right i mean that that's fine i learned something i created something i put something in my portfolio maybe i didn't like it maybe i realized what i exactly i didn't like and next time i'll do better so yeah take it easy <laughs> um so next up is, is collaboration, which which is a word that I really, uh, to be honest, I, I can't I can't hear right now anymore. But I guess mainly because um, the product I'm working on, uh, one of the uh, key key benefits basically is evolves around collaboration, and it's you know it, it became that word that I heard so much over <laughs> the past months that I, I I'm really sick of hearing it. But nevertheless, it's it's a good one, and I think it also really reflects the the current zeitgeist in a way. If you look at where where the world is moving towards, to and so the idea is that uh, you, as a as a as a sole lone wolf creative, uh, might uh, might not be the most effective when it comes to exercising and, and practicing creativity, but um, that actually true innovation only happens in teamwork. Yeah, because the more people you're working with, the more ideas you have. Also, if you have like in a team or in the people you're collaborating with from a different um, area of expertise, they are they are definitely going to know more th- than you do. So that that's that's really helpful. Yeah, and it, uh, I think another thing also is that it really starts lowering the stress when you work in a group. I think this is also the, also the whole idea around, you know, uh, design sprints, for example, which is kind of a, uh, I guess you could say, workshop format that now nowadays also many agencies offer to to, to companies, where they would basically come along and you know for a week or two they would try to go from start to finish with a thing you want a solution for, and the idea there is also to involve enough people and all the key stakeholders and everybody that in the end there is not so much pressure on you know a single individual to come mm-hmm. up with a great idea but actually try to harness the power of the group and uh, the power of collaboration in the end to come to a conclusion and uh, so, you know some then also say that they trust so much in that process that actually the people you involve don't matter as long as you involve enough people and follow mm-hmm. the right process because the process will actually you know lead to yeah lead to success and guarantee the success i mean it's it's a it's a difficult question i mean on the one hand on the one hand it's, it's really important but you have to also pick your collaborators wisely because yeah, sometimes like the group will be so disorganized and so different that that it might end up in a, in a drama but then again go to fail and repeat like change the team or um, choose another person to collaborate and and go on you know yeah. And I mean, generally, obviously, um, if you put if you put m- many people in one room or more than one person in one room, then also the the amount of ideas that are circulating will naturally increase. 
And I think also cross-pollination will increase in a way because then you hear something that somebody else says, which you know, might get you to we'll trigger something in yeah. your memory, in your experience. Exactly. Yeah, that's, uh, that's true. Exactly. Okay, the last one on our list is um, applying the process designers use to your, to your own work. And um, the design process essentially uh, encompasses a few key stages. The first one being that you have to, um, and this now depends on the kind of thing you create, right? But if you're creating something for somebody else, then it's all about um, empathizing with uh, the people you're creating something for and understanding their needs. And then next, uh, defining the problem, being very sharp about the exact problem statement to, to set a clear goal and focus. And the user's needs, you know, you define what the users you're designing for need. Yeah. I actually don't like the word users. I like, I, I always try to use the word people or person. Or the people you're creating for what they need. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't always apply to illustration, for instance, this kind of process. Yeah, exactly. That's why, 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 why I was saying that. I mean, it might apply to illustration if you get like a very specific client brief or if the client wants you to create something for a certain audience, right? Then you might be closer to that kind of design process. Yeah, but as I said, doesn't always apply, you know? Yeah, so, so that, that, yeah, that's a tricky one about it. Um, now that, uh, so, so we were in the stage where you, where you define your problem and you get very precise on um, you know what, what your insights are, what exactly what exact thing you, you try to solve, and uh, what people actually want or need, which might also be very different from what they say, which is also an interesting one. Um, and then you, you you try to ideate, right? You use all of this as fuel to um, you know challenge any assumptions and uh, create great ideas for innovative innovative uh, solutions. And um, I think the point here also is again that uh, you really have to make sure to get the problem right, which I think is, is the key to, to this whole process, is understanding the problem correctly. Um, yeah, you might also use like the brainstorm uh, technique. So you brainstorm with a lot of people, come up with as many ideas as possible, and then, uh, yeah, and then you evaluate them. Exactly. And then lastly, you, you try to prototype your idea. So you try to make your concept as real as you can. Um, while keeping in mind that you know you don't want to spend huge amounts of time into that prototype, whatever that might be, you want to do it in, a, in an economic way, and just you know just do the, the the bare minimum that allows you to get as many insights as possible. Yeah, you can even like you can even not go into digital. As I used to work uh, as a user experience designer, we did we did just paper prototypes. They are the easiest, the quickest way to uh, try out an idea. Yeah. Sometimes it's it's a bit difficult because um, depending on whom you're trying your prototype with, um, you know, people have different capabilities of of you know of of, of abstractions or of, mm. of understanding abstractions, I guess, is the point. So, uh, you know, in some cases, it might be fine to really stay, come up with something very low fidelity and put it into the hands of people or show them. But in other cases, you know, if people just um, 
are, are not great at, at bridging that gap between, you know, imagining what a final thing might look like and what you're now giving them in, 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 to their hands, essentially. You know? Yeah, I know. Uh, but still, a paper prototype, I think, is, is a very, especially in design, is a very good tool, especially if you work with other designers. Yeah, For true. instance, you, you, just, you just test, okay, does idea work or not? And before you go into a more, um, more difficult and more um, time-consuming digital process of creating a prototype or coding a prototype, you know, the basics and so on and so forth. For instance, I have a... Uh, an, uh, an example from actually product design or industrial design. Um, there is a now, I, of course, I forgot the name when I really need it because it just came up to me. But there was a um, an architect who designed um, uh, industrial products for Alessi, and there is uh, Ilconico. This is kind of a kettle uh, for boiling water, and it's made of metal. And the the handle of it is also made out of sheet of metal. And um, the designer or the architect, he just drew it. He didn't make a paper prototype and it was, uh, since they had the capabilities, it was immediately produced and now it's in a kind of iconic design Alessi product. But what most people don't know uh, and only people who use it know that, that this, this um, sheet of metal handle heats up and also bends. And if he just did a paper prototype, like a quick paper prototype, he would understand that he needs to reinforce the handle because it doesn't work like this. You know, you would see already the paper bending and then and you would have the understanding, okay, if the paper bends a little bit, that means uh, also the metal will bend, you know, and you need to reinforce that. So sometimes uh, the simplest thing to try out is, is, is the thing that will change your mind in a way. Yeah. Yeah. So before you just create the thing and produce it, mass produce it, just do do the prototype. That's, I, that's I mean, funny. this is like super common practice in, in, in industrial or physical product design, which is also funny, right? Um, yeah. Back in the days when we studied the product design was obviously about creating physical physical, physical objects. objects yes. And nowadays, if you talk about product design, it's, it's pretty much just... Uh, well, I think it also depends on the bubble you're in, because you're in the bubble of uh, UI startups and, and startups tech, yeah. and tech, and they call it product design. But I used to think I want to be a product designer, and product designer meaning industrial designer, and we would call it product design. And I think they still do call it product design. Uh, I still do. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, this term has completely changed, basically, what it means. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so... Um, that's actually already it. Um, shall we wrap it up? I know we didn't say, but the, after you created the prototype, you have to test uh, the prototype. Oh, I think we, we, talk, we talked I about think? this quite extensively yeah? now. Yeah, we okay. know with the sheet and prototyping. No, no, no. The prototypes, but then you, yeah, you test on the people. Because, ah, uh, of the, course, yeah. <laughs> because you need to, if you have users, if you have uh, somebody you're creating the product for, you need to test uh, how, how it works with, the, with your target group, yeah. with your target audience. Exactly. Yeah. So um, I already talked about the design sprint earlier, but you know, a design sprint tries to do all of those stages in one week, including the, and the testing then is essentially the very end where you try to validate if the thing that you are, if that concept that you're coming up with is actually worth developing and following through or not. Uh, yeah, and it's, it's, it's basically a very effective way of running through all those stages in as, as little time as possible. I think now it's like four days or something where you can run through that. Yeah, in the world we're currently living in, it's really important to be quick because uh, technologies change, um, uh, the, the environment uh, changes and we need, to, we need to keep up with the time. And that's why staying, sticking with one idea and, and harnessing and 
thinking of it to like overthinking it is probably not the best way to go i mean it's one of the ways to go and sometimes it works for people sometimes the time is just not ripe for what you're doing but then uh, you still have to work on something else you know to not just this one thing uh, because it might in the end be outdated and obsolete once you roll it out yeah and uh, maybe also one one very last point so i guess um, creativity in general is, is super important it might become the most important asset of you as a person in the future that you know will, will make any of your contributions valuable or not because if you think about it you know in the end all crafts i mean most of them <laughs> uh you know all, all kind of work that that uh, you know that, that doesn't really require a lot of intricate creative thinking will be replaced sooner yeah, by or machines later. sooner or later yeah, yeah exactly so so the very last thing that stands and that will never be easily replaceable probably I mean who knows <laughs> but probably well so far um, at least in the nearest future yeah. Uh, is creativity right creative yeah. thinking is yeah. your the human brain because it's so complicated and so intricate and uh, no machine as, as of yet can uh, can Im emulate it and i think that's our asset so far and that's what we can um yeah what we can flex and train uh, because other jobs like i don't know uh, tax consultant or any other kind of thing will be uh, sooner or later replaced by the machines <laughs> on this and positive on that note, dark note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and also creativity i mean creativity is fun it's much more fun than anything else thinking of problems finding solutions um in whatever area you're working in it's it's just the the most fun part of any process definitely Cool. Then uh, thanks a lot for listening in. Uh, this was a slightly longer one. I hope you enjoyed it. I, sorry, we actually <laughs> hope that you, you, you could take away something from that. And uh, yeah, hit us up on, on Twitter. Um, Let us know. Maybe you have any uh, suggestions of what you want to hear about next time. We are happy to consider those uh, because new ideas are always nice. We love to collaborate <laughs> with our listeners. Until then, keep it flowing. Yeah. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. -bye. Bye.